Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, Aishra Blakely, with Kwani A. Lunas. What's going on, Kwani? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. You're in a real chipper mood, Kwani. I just came from the gym, so I'm super juiced. Wow. Now, now, now we're talking like energetic juice. We're not talking like juice juice. We're talking no, like no, I'm not doing drugs. Juice. I'm not doing any illegal substances. I'm just super energized. Absolutely. And you should be. You should be. We're we're 10 games into the season. Uh that's I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I think it's a good that thing. That does not get me juiced. That is <laughs> well, it's got me kind of fired up. But what I'm okay. not I'm not fired up about, and I'm I'm kind of actually bummed a little bit about is Jalen Brown. Uh, yeah. The hamstring that's going to keep him sidelined for at least a week, uh, maybe two weeks. And the thing about hamstrings is that it's one of the – and I talked to Ime Yudoka about this. It really is one of the more unpredictable injuries in terms of recovery time because mm-hmm. even if you're feeling good, you're probably not as far down the road to recovery as you might be because it can literally flare up at any given moment. Right. Uh, I'm optimistic, though, that – Jalen is probably better further along than a lot of people with, with hamstring injuries because they've, they've given him a one to two week diagnosis as far yeah. as when he'll be back. And you probably figure they've baked in time that um, like load management time. Yeah. Like a little extra time on top of that where I think he might potentially be able to play now, but they're t- being, I think a little extra cautious, but Which to me, the, the big, yeah, to me the bigger concern is just whether this, whether Jalen missing games, injuries. I mean, is is this something? I mean, when you think about him, I mean, are you concerned? Not so much about this injury, but just that this may be the beginning of a pattern with him. This is the second time this season that we asked the question: Are you concerned about Jalen being out? So I could definitely see why red flags would start to raise, especially because if it does become consistent and. Whether it comes down to one, are they the Celtics, like you said, managing the injuries well to a point where he can get out there when he needs to, but also don't put him out if that's going to continue to aggravate whatever injuries, maybe from previous, um, you know, sports injuries that he's had. So I, I could, I could get, I think I could get to the point of being concerned, especially because. We just we're not seeing him out there on, on a consistent basis, and for you him to have this roller coaster of a season already, it's you just you want him to be consistently getting reps and and being in the game. This team is still trying to figure out what their chemistry looks like. So for one of your stars not to be in the lineup, that that could be frustrating. It can be frustrating, and it can be just I mean not just for the fantasy league owners of Jalen Brown out there, but just for us who like to to, live in this place called reality. Yeah. Um, My concern, and and you touched on it, is the fact that we're not even a month into the season. And this is, uh, again, another moment in which Jalen's health is in question. And when you kind of look at the fact that, you know, he came off a season where he was hurt at the end of the season, where he – had injuries that limited him. The talent with Jalen is not questioned anymore. He has done more than enough to to squash any thoughts and ideas that he's not an an above-average NBA player. But it's one thing to be an above-average NBA player when you're healthy, which he is, and it's another thing to be an above-average NBA player who's available to be 
an above average NBA player. That's yeah. the concern I'm starting to get with Jalen. And I'm not ready to hit the panic button just yet, but it is on my desk and <laughs> it is lit up. And while my hand is not hovering over it, it doesn't, it won't take much for me to just give it a quick whack yeah. because Jalen is so important to this team and any thoughts of them, not just winning this year, but really having a blueprint and a foundation to be successful going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, he has proven himself to be an all-star. He's proven himself to be someone who consistently gets better year after year after year uh, because he spends the time working on his game, doing all the little things that the great ones who want to be great are going to do. Which brings me to the latest rumor involving Jalen Brown and the Boston Celtics. You took it right from my brain. I was looking at our rundown and I was like, he has this a little further down, but we need to talk about this right now. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I'm, and I'm going to pass that baton to you and let you yes. run, run, Kwani, run. Ben Simmons. <laughs> so anyone that, uh, yes, do you want the, the latest on the, this is like we said, the Ben Simmons, Simmons podcast. Last season, I think it was the Celtics slash Kyrie Irving podcast. So we always mm -hmm. have an extra player to talk about. Always. But were reports that Philly was interested in, well, they called up Boston and were interested in Jalen, well, in trading Ben Simmons. And apparently Jalen Brown was put into the conversation. There was a local reporter, I think it wasn't The Athletic, um, or somebody locally said that that report wasn't true. Mark Murphy of the Boston Mark Herald. The Herald. And when we know he's the voice of the Celtics front office generally. So... I, I did see the other report about, I don't know if this was real, but basically they, Daryl Morey was the one that initiated the conversation. So at this point, I don't know what's true because everyone uses, you can tell at least for the most part, there are people that these front office staffers will use as their mouthpiece. The thing that I didn't like about Sham's report was the fact that after that Simmons rumor was um, put in, like buried into his story, a few hours later, or maybe like an hour later, that's when he tweets about Jalen Brown's injury to kind of further get the conversation going. But the thing about that that bothered me was the fact that Udoka had already said Jalen was possibly going to be out a few days ago. So I was just wondering why the timing was a little bit off. So I was wondering, you know, I want to hear your perspective on it. Was that all a strategic plan you think maybe from the Sixers organization well here's the thing that, that we have to keep in mind and and when you're looking at this from the outside looking in you've got to think about okay what's in it for the players and my and I'm talking I'm not talking about the players on the court I'm talking about the players in the conversation and in this particular conversation we're talking about the Sixers we're talking about the Celtics mm -hmm. now if you are Boston um you definitely like a lot of what Ben Simmons brings to the table yeah do you like that more than what you're getting from Jalen? I'm going to say no. No. Uh, if you're Philly, does it make sense for you to have these type of rumors and stuff stuff out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. That boosts his trade value. Exactly. It, it it gives this illusion that maybe he's worth more than than when we're live we're willing to put on the table. So That's I didn't I trust it. <laughs> I didn't think this was necessarily a rumor that was was designed to get the Boston Celtics to the table to make a deal. I think this was a rumor designed to get other teams to the table, table to yeah. put more on the table for Ben Simmons because yeah. that's one of the challenges the Sixers have been having is finding teams, not finding teams that are interested, but mm -hmm. finding teams that are willing to give them assets of value. And, right. and the Celtics, I don't believe 
uh, have any interest at this point in adding Ben Simmons if it means trading away Jalen Brown. And Do you think other Ross, other front offices would look at that report and then especially seeing the report locally from the Herald and kind of read through the line between the lines and realize that there is some fabrication going on. Well, this is this is what what I and again, just some of the calls and texts that I've been making the last couple of days just to kind of get some sense of what the hell is going on. Teams, when they see these reports, what they normally do is they reach out to one of the two teams involved. In this case, it would be the Celtics. In this case, it would be Brad Stevens to see if there's anything to this. And the impression that they're being given is that there's nothing to it, that this is it's, what the Celtics have done. And, and Danny Ainge and I have, have had this conversation a million times. And I've talked with other executives who've had basically said the same thing, but di- was slightly different. Teams are going to call teams and ask, not necessarily, are you willing to trade this guy? But is this guy that's someone available? Is it not, not and not get so much into the weeds of particulars, but just to see what the status is of a certain player with a certain team. And then you can go back with your brain trust and figure out, well, hey, they're saying he is available. If he's available, what are we willing to part with? And that to me is not having trade conversation you're simply trying to get a gauge of the market i mean listen if if listen if you know that you want to get a new car yeah and you go to the dealership and you see that lamborghini (laughs) and you know you ain't got lamborghini money are you are you in the process of getting a lamborghini no you are simply you're window shopping you're looking to see what's out there you're looking to see how much it's going to cost you if you can afford it and if you can't afford it but you don't want to pay that then you'll pass on it and if you can't afford it and you want it you go and get it that's what the Celtics and a lot of teams are doing this time of year. They're seeing how much is this going to cost me and do I want to pay that much? And if the cost of getting Ben Simmons is Jalen Brown, the Celtics will pass. I, I can't see them. I just can't see a scenario where they would make that move. Even with, you know, with Jalen and, and some of the health you know, issues that he's had the last, you know, last few weeks and even dating back to last year. I still don't think the concern level for that stuff is to the point where they feel they need to move on from him. Right. Uh, and, and, and again, it's I understand why those rumors are out there um, and I and they make for great conversation. But the thing that I keep coming back to Ben Simmons, and this is the thing that troubles me the most. In the game where your season was on the line, you didn't just flinch. You got scared. You got scared to take an open shot. I don't. I can't see how you can resolve that at all, if ever. Your team was built to win a championship, compete for a championship in Philly. You are a central pillar to that. And when the when push came to shove, in the moment of that, you were tested. You failed miserably and you failed not because of what they did, not because your coach put you in a bad position, not because your teammates didn't support you. You failed because you got scared. And if you're asking me to give up significant assets for a guy who has failed because of fear. uh -uh. I I, I'm going to have a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. Dealing with that. Justifying, Yeah. And so, and, and so that's why when you when I see the rumors about Jalen Brown for, for and, and 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 to make matters worse, 
you're going to have to add an additional asset to that deal. So not only am I getting back a player who's probably not as good as the one I'm sending out, but I'm going to have to give you more. Yeah. And, and we barely have what they need now. Right. right. And Philly would try to, you know, somehow work out. Oh, we'll just send you a couple of draft picks. But mm-hmm. at this point, I don't, I just don't think that's enough. So the, the idea of Ben Simmons for, for, you know, for Jalen, um, it sounds good if you're Philly, but in this little neck of the woods, I like to call Realityville. It ain't happening. I just can't see that happening. I really can't. Um, but to that point you made about other teams reaching out, I would imagine that teams reached out for to inquire whether or not Jalen was on the table. As they should. As they and should. Do you think at this point with the again, it's too early to be pushing a panic button. But do you think that the Celtics would consider it for another asset to build this no. roster? No. I, I I think Jalen and Tatum are both immovable pieces unless you're talking about the Kevin Durant, James Harden, Chris Paul, Devin Booker's, those type of players you would consider. But, again – that's just fantasyville because those players there with teams that aren't going to move them. Uh, so I don't see a scenario where they're going to move those guys unless they're getting a legitimate superstar. Because the, the thing that I, I keep coming back with, with both of them is they're still young. You don't have it's it's so unusual and rare to have players that young, that talented, who've been in not just winning environments, but they've been significant contributors to winning environments. I mean, they, you know, a couple years ago, they don't get to the, to the conference finals without Jalen and Jason. Yeah. It, it doesn't happen. And so the idea of moving on from those guys, the only way I can see that happening is if those guys want to be, want to move on. And I don't think either one of them is at that point now. Could that change? Absolutely. But I, I don't think they're at that point at this current time. And the other thing too, as bad as the Celtics have been, you know, this season, they're four and six. They're only a couple games out of being like fifth or sixth in, in the East. So it really doesn't take a whole lot for them to kind of get going and get back into the thick of things. And when you look at the way they played of late, they're playing better basketball. They're playing better the defense. Their offense, I still think they're still – I think the the lack of having all their core guys together has hurt them offensively more than defensively. Uh, so – Again, the, overall, their defense hasn't been great this year. But if you look at the last three for, or so games, there has then been clear uh, growth in that area and, and and a little bit more cohesiveness in how they're, they're figuring out, you know, Emay wants to switch everything, but they're realizing they literally don't have to switch everything, that you still need to kind of guard your yard as best you can, knowing that your teammate has your back. And I think that there was a point where they they didn't understand that, that they, they thought, well, we're going to switch everything and shoot Mm-hmm. I, I I need to stay with my man for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's defense is not a is not a relay race. Uh, you can't just you know okay. stay with a guy for a little bit and then oh then my guy he's got it and then another guy no you stay with your man as long as you can and you fight through screens and you try to stay attached. Yeah. But if you become detached, you've got someone's got your back. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they've started to figure that out a little bit yet. But the one thing they haven't figured out yet is how to win at the crib. Yeah. I mean, they are, they're they're yeah. the only team in the Eastern Conference yet to win a game at home. What? Like, why? Do I hate the TD Garden? 
Is there a conspiracy theory we need to dig into? I don't. It's the weirdest thing, but I think it, I think there's a couple reasons why that they can't they haven't been able to win it. I think first their first game at home was right off of the double overtime loss at New York when they played Toronto, and they just looked flat. They they looked like they just weren't ready to compete, and they've for whatever reason they I, I think they get almost like a little either too they fall into one or two categories. They get too comfortable thinking that well we could just turn it on anytime because we're at home. Or some of the players, I think, are so amped up to win at home that they start playing a little bit of hero ball where they're trying to do more than they should rather than just stick to the game plan and just play the style that they need to play. Um, this I, I, In Toronto, you know, their, their next opponent, mm-hmm. this is the ultimate challenge for them because Toronto is the only team in the Eastern Conference that has yet to lose a game on the road. Mm. Undefeated and Toronto, mm. what twice already this season? This will be the second time facing Toronto. Oh, yeah. So, so this was and and really the they Toronto right. The the first game against Toronto was really the first time that they um, was the first of what has been a few games where they just looked disinterested, like they they didn't really come to compete. Exactly. And so Robert Williams, you know, and you know, in leading up to the game, he talked. He was pretty candid about, yeah, we want payback. They haven't forgotten how they got their ass kicked by Toronto in the crib. Mm-hmm. And so yep. to get a chance to get a, get another crack at them, I expect them to play much better. And I, I do anticipate that they'll win that game. But- You've been in the arena for these Celtics games for mm-hmm. the most part. And I, from what I've gathered, the TD Garden has always been one of those NBA arenas where the energy really does affect, I think, at least how the players perform. Mm-hmm. Do you think the energy has been the same as we've seen in previous years, not only with the pandemic in mind, but just the energy that the crowd has for this team specifically? No, I don't think it's been the same. I, and, and I don't think it's necessarily worse. I, I definitely don't think it's better, uh, but I don't think it's worse. It's just different. Okay. Uh, I, I think because of the pandemic and because everyone is still trying to figure out what exactly is the new norm for fandom, sure. I, I think there's there's a... Um, in the past, I thought Celtics fans were just running off of muscle memory. They show up, they and they just they, start they, yelling. Yeah, they, they just yeah, they just know they just know how to kind of get it going yeah. without really giving it much thought. And now I, I think that they're like a lot of players and a lot of us in the media where we're trying to figure out exactly what does the new norm in a post-pandemic state mm-hmm. of fandom of of media coverage, what does that look like? What what am I cool in doing? What am I not cool in doing? What works, what doesn't work? And I think they're trying to figure this out. But to me, that shouldn't affect the product on the court. Oh, absolutely. But I do know it's a factor. (laughs) Well, well, to me, it it becomes a factor when the game is close and you're in the second half. Because that's when, like, for example, when they were – those are the games where they can be the difference between winning and losing. I mean, I've seen games where you can tell the fans cause a turnover. Because the players on the other team either can't communicate or there's a miscommunication or they just they can feel the vibrations right. from the stands in their head and they just they, they crumble. They, they and crumble in that same token, the home crowd can also cause them the home team to lose if they're at a point where they're checked out and they're just like, all right, I'm leaving. It'd be like third quarter and everybody's gone. Right. And I get like I've always been the person that wants to stay till the end of the game. Because I'm not trying to miss something. So if the game turns around and I left, I'm going to feel like an idiot. 
But I've yeah. seen way too many fans in Boston, especially at the TD Garden, where they're just like ready to dip early. It was like, well, are you just a casual basketball fan? Yeah. Well, see, you know, I don't even think it's that. I think more of it, more of it has to do with the fact that they're watching a product and guys aren't playing hard. I mean, they're looking at the scoreboard thinking, if you can't show up and play hard after I pay, you know, good money to go see home. you play hard, I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm, I beat this I'm, I'm beating that store. Yeah, I'm beating that store drive traffic and getting the hell out Lord, of here. That store drive traffic is not a joke. It's real. It is real. And, and so. I, I don't have an issue with fans leaving early, particularly on in games where the Celtics just didn't bring the effort. If I'm yeah. a fan and, and I've paid to watch this, I, I would want to leave early too. Yeah. That's I what and, and to me, that's where I think this team on the road started to turn a corner a little bit. They look to play a little bit more consistent defensively. Because even when they were winning games earlier this year on the road. They weren't. They still looked kind of disjointed. They they were finding ways to win, but they just weren't looking as cohesive defensively as they look now. And and that's the one thing about this team that I'm um, I'm most excited about because it feels like it feels as though they're starting to figure that out. And I've asked, talked to Robert Williams about that. Al Horford, I talked to him about that as well. And there is a general sense that they just needed time to just understand what Ime is looking for because for most of the players on this team. They're playing a style that is not familiar to them. They're playing this, you know, switching most uh, of the coverages. That's not something that they have, they just accustomed to. And it, it's taken them some time. And if we really sit back and think about it, for them to kind of get a feel for this after six or seven games is not a long time. It really isn't. But it felt like an eternity because they were going out there looking like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off. And, you know, it was funny because when, when we were in Dallas and I and I asked, you know, Robert Williams about about how, you know, you guys just seem to kind of oh not right. I'm sorry, Josh Richardson. I asked Josh Richardson about this, about how you guys just, you know, you, it seemed like you guys didn't know where you were supposed to be early on and and just kind of running around looking kind of lost. And he chuckled about it, but he knew what I meant. I, I was keeping it real. They did not look like they knew what the hell they were doing defensively. Mm-hmm. And now. They may have some breakdowns, but it's not because it's not necessarily because of them just not knowing what to do. It's because the other team just does a better job of executing. One point that Eme brought up, and, and, and we can move on from here after this, but one of the points that he brought up in the Dallas game was how Dallas was trying to create a, a switch where Robert Williams would be on Luca. And Robert Williams wisely set back at times and motioned to Josh Richardson to come up so that when they did the switch, Josh Richardson was on Luke. And they did this not only in the, the shot at the very end, but they did it for one or two other possessions prior to that. That's the kind of stuff that they wouldn't have done two weeks ago. They would have had Robert Williams out there trying to guard Luka Doncic with, with whatever much time left. And you're thinking, like, why in the world are they letting that happen? So they're starting to figure out how to – work well together they're starting to figure out how to take away some of the mismatches that opponents are trying to create to their disadvantage and and that's the thing that that you want to see you want to see growth you want to see progress you want to see them get a clue as to what they need to do to be better and we're starting to see that but um they still got a lot of work to do but at least they're turning in the right direction true you mentioned jalen brown there's comments about well, the comments from Jason Tatum 
kind of throwing shade at Smart's comments. You know, kind of. But you, but we'll just go with kind of because that that sounds good. With it. What was your? What was your? First of all, I was just shocked that Tatum even replied the way he did because that's not really listen, how he moved. Media wise, that, listen. We when we were in Dallas, and Dallas, that was the first time we had a chance to talk to Jason since Smart's comments. And so, funny, you you know, I had to be that dude, right? Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I had to Ooh, ask him. Your voice. Yeah. That was you. Oh, okay, I heard it. I like. Okay, okay, continue. Okay. So I'm asking him about just Smart's comments. And yeah. I, I, what, I asked him at one point about whether uh, that stuff should be in house or whether yeah. it should be, you know, kind of how it came out. And he was just like, "You, you know, the answer to that." And you I'm like, how, yeah. "I haven't thought, but I want to know what you think because." And so, you know, I, I enjoy Jay. First of all, Quinny, to your point, that might have been my favorite interview that Jason did because here's the thing that he did: he threw a little bit of shade at Smart. I thought. But in a respectful way, which that in doesn't a very make respectful sense. way. But he also reminded everyone, and it, it felt, and, and, and Celtics fans are going to freak out when I say this, but it yeah. felt very Mamba like, where he's just like, Oh you my do gosh. Know. Oh my he's, God. He's like, No, I was thinking that. Yes, sorry. He's I'm just talking. like, you do, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this game. I've been playing this yes. game for a while. Yes. So I'm, I'm yes. pretty good. It when was he so. Said that, I I literally flashed back in my head to that video of Kobe. I think he who was he talking to? It was like a Team USA practice, and he's right. talking about how good he is. And that's the first thing I thought of, and it that's was, why I liked how he moved when he said it because it was like I know I'm good at the game, and obviously there is work for me to do, and the accountability was important when I listened to that quote as yeah. well, but. You do have to chirp. Like, that's that mama mentality of knowing you're good, knowing that you have the talent. And that's how you tap into really being a good leader for this team because there's a switch that still, I think, needed to be flipped for Tatum. And I think him saying it was a sign that it may have just turned on. I was When, when he was talking like that. I was like, who did? I felt so good <laughs> because yeah, this I did is like that. This is what I need from Jason Tatum. I need you to own your greatness. Everyone yeah. can tell you how great you are, but you got to own that. You got to call mm -hmm. the way you see it. And to your point, Kwani, he didn't just say that, yeah, I'm all that, and y'all kind of know that, but I still need to get better. And he yeah. owned the accountability that he's not mm -hmm. where he needs to be for this team to be where they need to be. And yeah. it, it was, to me, it, it was one of the better Tatum moments I've had around him because Again, Tatum is a – this is the thing that people, I think, don't understand. Tatum is off to a bad start, and he's still getting you 24 points a game. Valid. He's That's off a to point, a – I mean, he's having a rough season that for a lot of players in the league would be a career start yeah. to their season. That's how good he is. And I think he's only going to get better and better as the season progresses. But – He said it himself. <laughs> right. And, and so – Exactly. So to me, him actually owning his talent in a way that was very mamba-like. I mean, that, that. I mean, listening to him speak, it it really did feel like he was channeling his inner Kobe. Um, yeah. And I know Celtics fans they hate that kind of stuff. But listen, if that's going to get him to be a better leader, a better score, a better impact player, damn it, you channel that inner inner Kobe every Absolutely. damn day. Real recognize real. If you want this team as a fan to go to the heights of greatness, you need someone to tap into that 
right. level of that mentality again it's a broken record but if he can tap into that mama mentality that's how you get to where you want to be right and he's going to get a lot of opportunities Bye. over the next couple weeks with with Jalen out uh, yeah. To be that guy, because and just looking at the numbers, I mean, he's played a couple games this year without Jalen, and he's averaging better than he's averaging a double double, better than thirty points a game, mm-hmm. shooting better than fifty five percent from the field, and I think like around fifty two, fifty three percent on threes. So when Jalen ain't in the building, right. Tatum's like, I Wait, got this one. I'm still not of the mentality that they can't coexist, but this might be the time he needs, like you said, to step up and and figure out how he works with this new team and the new system and the new coaching because something got to change. Yeah. Cause I, I asked, yeah, I asked Emi about that too. Uh, after the, um, the Dallas game where he had just such a really, obviously a really efficient game, shooting the ball, lots of points. And I asked just whether there's anything they were doing different technique wise or anything like that with Tatum. And, and Ime's response was basically he's getting the same shots that he was when he was missing them. The only difference is he's not missing them. Yeah. He didn't miss them in that game. Yeah. And so if that's happening, it's a matter, it's only a matter of just, you know, when, not if Tatum is going to get back to being a relatively efficient shooter from the field. A uh, guy who's getting rebounds and re- his rebounding has been really good this year. He's, I think he's averaging, I think eight and a half a game or something like that, which is a career high for him. Um, but he's figuring out how to be an impact player and get other guys involved. And one guy who I think is, is starting to really come on to help fill some of the voids on this team behind Tatum, behind Brown is Dennis Schroeder. He's been balling. He's been like low key balling out lately. Yes, um, Absolutely. To the point where you wonder if that Marcus Smart Schroeder, there needs to be a little bit of interchanging of the roles. No, I, no, I no. Marcus, you stay in that starting lineup. Stay where you at. After the comment, I just I'm ge- I'm genuinely curious as to because obviously they know they're trained enough to let the media see what they want us to see. So I'm just curious as to what these what's going on between the three of them. Like, are they getting along? Are they still feeling some type of way about Marcus Smart's comments? Do they respect him enough to say, you're right, we're going to be accountable? I, I just I need to be a fly on the wall and then hear what's going on, because it, it, I'm, part of me, I, would, I know how I would get. So if someone tried to call me out in the media and not keep it in house. I'm gonna be petty. I'm gonna ignore you. I'm gonna make comments to the media as well. Like, I don't know. I love the way Tatum handled it though. I, I do. do. I still respect I do respect the way he did because it. he throws just enough shade. Yes. Where if you're looking for it, you see it, but yeah. not enough to where it becomes a story. Yeah. Not enough to where it becomes Definitely a focal point. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he's he was really good about that. Was like the most Media savvy moment Jason Tatum has probably had since he came to Boston. You should teach a master class. <laughs> that was a, a master class on just giving the folks a little bit of some something, but not yeah. giving them enough to where they can go and run and make it something. And that's that, what I mean. He knew what he was doing by throwing that shade. That's why I'm like, he could have played nice and just said, you know, we're handling it in-house. He made some good points, but he didn't do that. No, no. And again... It did my heart so much good to see that happen because 
I just I think Tatum is an incredible player. Uh, and I, I think that there's a lot more to him than just being a really good player. I, I think there's a lot of good in Jason Tatum. Um, he hasn't shown the kind of leadership that people want to see from him. And to be candid with you, I don't give a damn about that. Because I every- it to be loud or like LeBron-esque. Where he doesn't like to be dominant. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Tatum's personality when he even came into the league was obviously very soft-spoken to the media. Yeah. And then over the last few years, we've seen him break out of that shell. Right. I.e. the way he had that, uh, you know, soundbite in the last game. But leadership looks different and different like different for different people we were talking earlier about how al horford which will lead to another conversation about the captains not being named and i said that you know al horford definitely should be someone that could just be named captain if we're trying to flesh out the beef between the other three just give al the title and al doesn't need the title though because he's going to still be a silent leader in that locker room he also doesn't do you know, have the style of leadership that a LeBron James or a Joel Embiid would have. So right. it looks different. It does look different and it, it feels different. But the, the funny thing about Al is that um, captain or no captain, he's still going to lead the way yeah, he, he does. He doesn't need to be, yeah. And, and, and I, but I think he knows that with this particular team, his leadership matters more yeah. because you, it, it's one thing when you have a bunch of young guys who just don't know what the hell they're doing and, they, they don't understand what leadership really looks like. Then it's just like, okay, Al, you become the den mom. You, you oh, yeah. bring your kids yeah. into the, you know, into the, you know, in, into around. The, take them in the backyard, let them play, make sure they don't, you know, make sure little, little Jalen doesn't poke little Jason in the eye. Make sure no one's, just make sure they play nice with each make other. His, make sure little Marcus doesn't throw dirt at <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my they, gosh, I would love to have seen all of these players as toddlers. No, that would make for a good, like, adult animation show. Yes, With them as toddlers. Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, that and like Family would've... Guy. I'm thinking like Family Guy, but then you have like Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, all as toddlers. Or Boondocks. That's that would be different. If you steal my idea, I just at least want a production credit and then like 5%. Okay, I'll work that out, Kwani. Because okay. pro- I, I may very well steal that. So. Okay, but if someone is listening, you also owe me credit. And this is the physical evidence that I did conceptualize this. So this is intellectual property. We, you have we, to reach out to me before you do it. We'll, we'll, we'll have my lawyer uh, contact you, Kwani, and we'll get Adult this Swim, out. call me. Exactly. But... <laughs> Al doesn't have to be the den mom anymore. He's just more like, you know, the big brother to make sure that, that you know, the little brothers don't hurt each other, which yeah. is different than when he was here before. But I, I love what I'm seeing with Tatum, though. Um, that's the kind of leadership I think Jason has to – I think Jason, to be candid, I think he's been trying to figure out how the hell do I lead this group? What do mm-hmm. I need to do? What he did after the Dallas game is exactly what you're supposed to do. Own the fact that you need to get better acknowledge and let people know that, you know, I'm still kind of nice in this game. I mean, I just dropped 32. And as you can see, there's not a drop of sweat on me. Yeah. Not a drop. Yeah. He's that good, but he's going to need help. And he's going to, he's got to figure out where, what's his sweet spot in terms of leadership. Al's going to be there for you regardless, but he needs to figure that out. And, and, but the whole captain thing though, um, he may, I guess it, even though we kind of we've been 
talk. It's been pretty much dead for a while. Right, we but knew think, it was happening. Yeah, but I, I think he, he made this. Well, he was asked about it to uh, you know on 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 Tuesday, and he may finally put the final nail in the coffin with the whole captain thing. Ain't gonna happen. And he he kind of went through why it's not gonna happen, but in a nutshell, oh y'all suck. No. They got bigger issues to worry I about. That's not a priority right now. It's it's just not. And he's and he is right. It, it's not a priority. But I think it speaks to part of the problem with this team, and that is leadership. And to me, the only thing that's worse than bad leadership is leadership that's non-existent. Because then it's like what? what and and I think that they've had too many. I thought the season began where there were too many moments where you weren't sure exactly who was leading this team or who the leaders of this team were. Um, you know, is it smart in his defensive mindset? Is it Jalen and Jason who are trying to get buckets? Is it Al who's, the you know, kind of like the, the sensible adult in the room? Who is actually guiding this team down? Is it, you know, is it Dennis Schroeder who – no, it's not him. I can't even think of a reason. I can't even <laughs> actually let's no. backtrack now. <laughs> yeah, we, that's that's not happening. But right. who is directing the flow? And I think who that they're starting. Yeah, and I think they're starting to figure that out a little bit. That you know, it has to be some combination of Jason and Al, because mm-hmm. Jason, again, after the one, well, first of all, Jalen is out for a week or two, so it's hard oh. to lead when you ain't playing. Oh yeah, I thought you were, he was like he's out of the question. But then no. you're right, he is. It's, it's, and, and, and so you you can't really look at him. And Tatum has been your best player for the most part the last couple of years. Al is your best leader of men for the really for his since he's been in the league. So yeah. following, so those two figuring out how to basically galvanize their leadership. But the issue is you have Marcus who also wants to be a leader. Clearly, he's being. Yeah, that's, know, that's that's where it gets why. interesting. Yeah, because. He has a he, and Marcus has his own way of leading, yeah. and it works for but it him. might not work for everyone's leaders the way you want to be led, right? Because you know what it feels like a little bit, Kwani? Yeah, and you can relate to me on this. Oh gosh, you've got you've got the OGs oh. in the game, uh-huh. the Marcus Smarts, the Al Horvitz, and then you got the up and comers, yeah. Tatum and Brown. They each have their own idea about how this thing is supposed to go down. They yeah. each have their own idea of, how, of what works and what doesn't work. And when you got the OG saying, well, you know, back in my day, we did it like X, Y, Z, one, two, three. Wow. And Tatum triggered. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kwani. Okay. And then you got Tatum and Brown who are just like, well, back in your day, you do realize you, you're starting off with back in your day. This is not, that is not today. Also, you struggled so that I could have it easier and make a better path. Right. But, but, but oh, now you got me tripping. I'm going off. No. But the thing, the thing that, the thing, the thing that Jalen, and this is why I think Tatum was real low key shade, where he yeah. talked about, you know, I've been doing this for a while and I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And, and he was talking about what he does as a scorer to some extent. And when you look at, him and, and Jalen being questioned about passing the ball more, they have legitimate reasons to be reluctant to pass the ball more. When guys aren't making shots, right. it doesn't help the team if I'm making the right pass and you can't make shots. And they did not say that specifically. But, but they could have. They could have brought out the box and score. They, they could have. And, and Marcus does a lot of great things for the team. There's, there's no, no one will ever question 
his ability to impact the game more positive than negative. Mm-hmm. But the negative times, damn, they hurt. Yeah, they stand I out. Mean, they stick out really, really bad when he's and, and even in the Dallas game, you know, Marcus, he had one of those Marcus moments. I mean, there was there was he tried to draw the foul against Porzingis and it it, it was a foul. But you're not going to get that call in the late game situation. Mark, I mean, if Jason Tatum wasn't going to get that call, Marcus, Martin, you're not going to get that. Gonna get it. Exactly. So I understood what he was trying to do. And it was, in theory, the right thing to do. But you're just not it's not going to work out. And you kind of know that. But the, the killer was him fouling Luca when there was like maybe a six second difference between the shot clock and the game clock. Because when he fouled him, it reset the clock. So then the Dallas was going to get the last shot. Right. And that's one of the more much. And, and, you know, Ime after the game said that was not the plan. And that's we another did. basketball IQ. Miss- he's, he's had moments where he has these basketball IQ mishaps. And you like raises I, lots fans, of questions. Yeah. Fans are just like, did that really just happen? And they're sitting right. there like, dang, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Cause after the, after the game, I went back to the press room and I'm thinking that okay, Emay's about to hit me with some some basketball knowledge that I've never never thought of before. That's yeah. going to explain what he was yeah, thinking. Well, exactly. Play. Yep. Yeah, because I can't understand what the hell just happened. But Emay's a coach. He knows his players better than I do. He's a hell of a better tactician than I am. So he's about to drop some serious knowledge on me. Yeah. I'm be like, damn, I didn't even think I, about I that. Learned, so I take some notes. Yeah. yeah, but then he came up with that, like, no, nah, that wasn't a plan. We wasn't. We weren't trying to do that. I'm Even like, him oh, okay. saying that is funny to me because Brad would have taken, I think, accountability in that way. But like, you know, we're all everyone. Everyone in like from coach down, it's just like everyone has this different leadership style. They need to go on a retreat, do some trust falls, and figure each other out because and make sure and make sure that their co-pays are paid up because them trust falls could be painful. <laughs> Look. The whole team gonna be on load management because <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you you gotta be you gotta be very, yeah, very careful retreat, about though. that load management. I think they should sign up to go on a retreat for three days. That'd be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Get a chance to know each other a little better. Mm-hmm. Do a little yeah. team bonding. Yeah. And speaking of bonding, um, <laughs> players, the best players in the game. This is not a okay. What are you doing, Kwani? I don't say speaking of bonding. Okay, continue. Let me see how you play you, this up. Will you will you let me let me roll with yeah, this one, please? Okay. Bonding has not been a, a, a big thing in Brooklyn, right? With, with Kyrie yeah. Irving. But they there's a chance that they could have a bonding moment mm. this year with the All-Star game. Kyrie Irving, who you know, for obviously for not wanting to be vaccinated and just the rules in place in, in, in New York City. He's going to be in the all-star ballot. And if he is elected as a starter, he will have the option of playing in the all-star game mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's in an area, it's in a city and state there. They don't have the same limitations and restrictions. Yeah. So Kyrie Irving's one game this year may be in the all-star game. In Cleveland. In, exactly. Of all the cities that you could do. Oh. Only, only thing would have been more troll-like was if it was in Boston. Yes, but Cleveland is even better because he has not been back to Cleveland since that game where Gordon Hayward got injured. If I am correct with my actually, no, no, as a Celtic, yes, in Brooklyn, he did go back to Cleveland. 
but it's still, it's still you know hostile environment for him sometimes. and it's a place that he fought his ass to get out of remember they didn't yeah. trade him he burned some because they wanted to they traded him because he told he asked him to yeah so Kyrie Irving all-star Kyrie Irving is that a good thing Whew, the the thing about the fan vote and I know a lot of people hate it is that there are going to be some super casual basketball fans that I, w- I mean, I would imagine even if you're a casual fan at this point, you would know that Kyrie has not played a single game this season, but he's still an all-star on paper. But the problem is people don't think about whether or not they are all-star that season. And I think that needs to be valued a little higher than are they an all-star caliber player? Obviously he is, but this is an opportunity, if anything, for a player that wouldn't make an all-star roster to sneak into it because whoever's showing out enough that they can barely make the cut, Kyrie doesn't deserve it. He hasn't been playing. Again, he is obviously an all-star caliber talent, but he has no numbers at all to prove like, that. Literally no numbers. Absolutely literally. zero yeah. numbers. But you know what? But he's going to make gonna be, it. Kyrie's going to be an He will be one of the top two vote-getters at the guard position Absolutely. In the how do you and feel about that? I am absolutely loving it. Okay. Because of the, the pain because of the drama course. dynamic of it. Of course, yeah. uh, because it is it will be um must see TV mm-hmm. if Kyrie Irving's at the All-Star game. Yeah. But here's the problem with that. Um to, to your point, he's gonna be taking a spot to someone who worked their ass off all season to get. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. The other issue is that his presence is going to dominate the entire All-Star Weekend. It is all going to be about Kyrie Irving making his debut, Kyrie Irving playing his first game, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving. And that is not what the NBA wants. That is not what the Brooklyn Nets want. That is not what anyone involved in the league wants. And if Kyrie, you know, plays the card where I'm just not going to attend any of the functions, I'll just pay the fine, I'm just going to show up, play the game, and go home. Yeah. That's bad for the brand, Kyrie. And you yeah. know that. Yeah. You would be better off not going to the All-Star game at awesome. all. And then and then explaining yourself like, well, you know what? It's great that the fans, you know, still got love for me, but there are so many guys who worked their asses off this year to for this opportunity. I don't want to take that away from them. Now, you come like that, Kyrie. Now all of a sudden, though you, you get a segment of those folks who really weren't feeling you or who are now thinking it's like well, is increasing. You're not so bad. Yeah. I'm not going to hate on you as much. You actually, I may not agree with you on positions X, Y, Z, but I respect the fact that you are clearly putting others ahead of yourself in that particular instance. But if Kyrie decides to show up at the All-Star, at All-Star game because the fans voted in, it will only amplify the narrative that he's all about Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Because literally no one is going to benefit from his ass being at All-Star Weekend, but Kyrie Irving. Kyrie is an example of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. No but matter what he does is going to be the wrong decision. But I think but I think that there's a path that can minimize the damage. Yes. If he just does what is very un-Kyrie-like. Like, it's very un-Kyrie-like to get, get selected for the All-Star game and say you're not going to go 
and explain that the reasoning is because you want to give someone else a chance. That's a very un-Kyrie-like thing. Mm -hmm. Now, what is Kyrie-like is to not go, and and, and your reasoning is because you don't feel that the all-star selection folks, you know, should have – as much say and even though even though the reason you're going is primarily because of the damn fans right right and that's that's what i feel would happen that Kyrie would take a position and then you start doing a little bit of digging and you realize that the position doesn't make any sense yeah he's gonna flip the narrative and then that's the thing like you said if he goes then he's the, the media circus surrounds him and for someone who complains about how much the media cares uh, or is obsessed with him, so to speak. You just he put yourself in the game. Opportunities where they have to, because you haven't talked to them at that point. It'll be almost six months where you haven't been in front of a camera, and they have to ask these questions. Unfortunately, yeah. so there. Need, I don't know if he has a PR team or in a business manager, agent, or someone that can <laughs> rally up a plan. Because to your point, I really highly doubt that we'll see a. I'm going to be selfless and sit this one out and give another young blood an opportunity because I think what you'll see happening is that as the votes, because you know, they, they have different points during the season where they'll, they'll update on how the voting is going. Yeah. If it's clear that he's like in that one or two spot, I think you will start seeing a different level of campaigning from some of the coaches of players who are in that conversation. You're going to see, I mean, Kyrie, I wouldn't say they're going to hate on Kyrie, but they're going to be throwing a different kind of shade at Kyrie. Uh, and it'll be something to the effect that I don't understand how you can have someone be an all-star who voluntarily decided not to play. It's right. not Those an injury. packages are going to look different. They're going to maybe just put some stat sheets yeah, in there. This is what my guy did this year. This, this is the guy that's the go-getter. And just have his like name with – a big blank, you know, just a big blank, blank box. box. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Yep. And it's, I, I think you're going to see a different level of low key hating on Kyrie. Yeah. Um, and 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 again, the, the smart thing is is this: Kyrie, if if you're elected to be an All Star, the the smart thing would be to turn it down. Mm-hmm. The smart thing, and 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 to me, there's a legitimate reasoning for doing that. You want to, you should ideally want to give another young person a shot at being an all-star. You know, I mean, there's going to – you figure there's going to be one player who's probably going to get in who otherwise, you know, wouldn't get in because because of you. And Mm -hmm. I I just think that it's – I think Kyrie will potentially have an opportunity to be very selfless, uh, which, uh, again, and and get a lot of credit and a lot of props for that. Um, But – you just never know about Kyrie. You don't know what the hell that dude going to do. And, and and if, you know, just kind of shifting away from that, um, you don't know what the hell the league MVP, Nikola Jokic, is going to do if you follow him hard. Like, so. Yo. That's gracious. Yo. Whew. Listen. For those, you know what? I'm I'm not I'm not even gonna get let's 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 run the video. Yeah, uh, if you're listening, Google see video. exactly what we're talking about. Yes. Now, hard foul in your chest, Ooh. harder foul in that man's back. All right, slow that, down the tape. Oh he goes for the shot. And he like, I mean he wound oh, up. He, he wound up with the yeah. shoulder. 
that listen, and you 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 knew that they were you knew that they were going to crack down on him, and and you know Jokic has been suspended for a game. Markeith Morris, type tackle. I don't know what was going on there. Right. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler had a, he's got to cut a check too. I think for thirty k or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So the latest that we got was from Sham saying that Jokic was suspended for one game. Markeith Morris was fined for fifty k for that altercation, and Butler was fined 30K for his involvement in telling Jokic to meet him in the back. Now, if this were all there was to the story, it's still pretty juicy. Whew, but there is more. Listen, we this, this book is not yet written and over with at all. You've got, you know, now for those who, who don't know, Markeith Morris is a twin, Marcus Morris. Uh, Celtics fans are very familiar with Marcus Morris when it's time here in Boston. And I'm familiar with Marcus Morris because he was one of my favorite people to talk to when he was here. He is North Philly. North and Philly. North Philly. With an S, not a TH. Yeah, there's a different kind of grind to them, to say the very least. And so after this incident, he tweeted something to the effect that, you know, basically waiting for, for my brother to turn his back. And then he had, you know, noted. Yeah, which that, yeah. which I thought was cute. Yeah. Uh, in, in translation, I'm taking, I'm, I'm keeping tabs on what you just mm-hmm. did to my brother. So now you've got the Jokic brothers who <laughs> make a not, great account who just opened up a Twitter account. Last I checked, they had over forty thousand followers, and this is like within what twenty four hours. Yeah, if that they only follow one person. Exactly. They got one, exactly. And so they basically are saying, look, your brother, hard foul, careful with you. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah, you should leave this right. the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to make a step further, be sure we will be waiting for you. Exclamation, exclamation, Jokic brothers. Now, I've yeah. seen them. They big. Oh, look. They big. Oh, did you I, see the other follow-up tweet, though? I missed this part. So the, the second tweet, they're saying the same thing, essentially. And Marcus Morris is like, you got the right ones. Believe that. And what people don't know is when a black person tells you that you got the right one, that means you got the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the Jokic brothers, they, they, uh, brother, they reply, I don't believe dot, 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 I know that. It's so funny just seeing like two different is, cultures collide and have beef on Twitter. Here's the thing about Twitter, though. So much we, to that yeah, we talk about Twitter tough guys, which, right. but these are legitimately life tough, tough guys. Guys, they're legitimately people who will kick your ass. I'm scared of all the parties involved. All of I them. don't listen. I made a point of making sure me and Marcus Morris were cool. When he was here, joke, right? I understand how this works. Yes, I don't want to be on that other side with that dude. And you know, I don't know how this is going to escalate, but I'm looking forward to that December 26th game between the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets in LA because that will be the first time Marcus Morris will be on the floor against Denver and Jokic. And I think in uh, November, uh, later this month, I think Denver plays Miami again. Yes, I, th- I think it was the 29th when I last looked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, so they're, 
there's going to be a couple opportunities where this could potentially escalate. And you better believe the NBA is going to be, you know, probably a little bit more hands-on as far as security and just talking to both parties to make sure this thing doesn't escalate. But the the problem here's my issue with, with Jokic. I, I understand that he was he was angry at that hard foul, and Denver had already had the game one. It was it was it was an unnecessary hard foul on Markeith Morris's part. I get that, but here's the thing: when he fouled you, he didn't foul you from the back. He fouled you dead in your chest. Mm-hmm. So he turns around, is walking away, and then you. You don't just shove him. You throw your whole 280, 290-pound frame into him. Now he's got whiplash. He's going to be out of the, for their next game. And here's the thing that bothered me more than anything. If you felt that strongly about that man and what he did, Jokic, scream at him and say, what the F are you doing? He would right. then turn And then, and then, if you still got that same energy, you go at him. What he did was a cheap shot. Mark, at least Marcus, at least what Markeith Morris did, while it was a little bit overly aggressive, mm-hmm. it was a play that happens all the time in the NBA where you, a guy started a fast break and you take a foul. You just yeah. you, you foul him intentionally. But what Jokic did was a non-basketball play. There's mm-hmm. nothing in the rule book that says if you no way to justify it. Yeah. And so I understand. In fact, I was pleasantly surprised that Mark. Marcus Morris, when he replied, he was as calm as he was. Because for those of us who know Mook, listen, that was the calm, level-headed, maybe because he's a father now that he's mellowed out a little bit. Maybe that Hopefully. maybe that was part of it. And I, See, hope so. I was making all these jokes and I was laughing, but I'm genuinely, when you look at both of their backgrounds, they just better have security around them at all, all times. I know because is, I think they, all, they took this very seriously. There is no did. joke involved all i know is when they play again in miami security you better be in your you better be have your usain bolt shoes on and be ready to sprint in that direction because it could escalate quickly yeah it could escalate quickly and and again because it's so out there in the public hopefully nothing will come about because everyone knows both sides are are you know tough guys yeah but I just mm. low key. Usually NBA players are just chirpers, and I'm always just like, "All right, he's soft. He ain't gonna do nothing." But the, that's again, these two parties they involved, they're not chirpers. They will lay they they will lay them hands on you. They will absolutely lay them hands on you. And there, there's I have like zero doubt about that. Same zero. And the NBA needs to prepare for that. Uh, and and I and I think the NBA they're, they're smart enough to know. They need to be proactive with this, yeah. uh, and they need to talk to both sides and like, look, like, no, have no, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there needs to be some type of conversation, whether you bring all of them together or whether you have two separate conversations with them. But you need to make it absolutely clear that let this die now, squash it. This yeah. cannot escalate because no one is going to come out ahead if this escalates. Yep. And while you know, they may agree to do that. I don't know how long that peace treaty is going to last. Because yeah. because what, what Jokic did was real, real fire. Dirty, dirty. It was, and Jokic is, and again, he's still one of my favorite players to watch, but that was a dirty play. It was yeah. far, far dirtier than what, what, what uh, Mook did. Because again, what Markeith Morris was doing 
was something that happens all the time. He just did it a little bit more aggressively than you should. Him, but he, the thing is, Jokic could see him. So and it, he, it was, he, he, he was about to get fouled. Right. He just didn't expect to get fouled as hard as he did. Yes. Markeith Morris had no opportunity to defend himself. Exactly. None. And that is what I know is pissing him mm-hmm. and yeah. his brother off. That and he didn't get a fair And his cousin's cousins and everybody. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I I should I should have took a look and see when does Denver play in Philly, because again, oh. again, the NBA needs to be proactive and, and just gets this squash. That's a good point. Let me look because that because again, you don't want this to be a situation yeah. where it becomes it, you know, it goes beyond just what we saw on the court. Yeah, and that worries me. That worries me a lot because again, I you just never know how people in their inner circles are going to respond to this. Right. And it, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be something that, that Mark Keith and Marcus talk about it, If you're a Philly, if you're like, you know, if you're in Philly and you know, those are your boys and mm-hmm. you saw what happened and you look at the schedule and you see that Denver's coming to Philly, whenever that is March of next year. So hopefully okay. it's died. Good. Down good. 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 The end. But like I said, the NBA needs to be proactive and, and just get all sides involved to simmer this, simmer the hell down. Yeah. Uh, because it could get really, really ugly, really right. ugly. So, on that note, let's end it on a happy note, Connie. Because yeah. that kind of got me. That kind of got me a little, little charged yeah. up and triggered, and I shouldn't be charged up and triggered about that. See? I started off know? juice, and we got to end off juice in a good way, legal there you way, go. a happy there you way. Go. I have an update. I've kept talking about the local lowdown series, mm-hmm. and it finally aired. Well, the first part of it. So if you didn't get to catch it, which you probably didn't because you were probably working hard at your jobs, you can go online, NBC10Boston.com, type in, you could type in my name, you could type in Roxbury, you could type in Frugal Bookstore, because that was the first place that we featured. And take a peek at what Frugal Bookstore has in their store. Okay. Okay. And then the next one's coming up. So I'll talk about that one next week. Okay. (laughs) Let's see. I've got a couple of stories coming out, Bleach Report, in the next week or two. Uh, looking at um, Toronto Raptors uh, star OG Anubi, Ananobi. Um, good player, really good player. Uh, and just kind of looking at his growth and ascension uh, as an NBA player. Uh, got a couple of things coming with Ebony as well. Uh, I'm going to take a look at um, just diversity in the play-by-play field and how that needs to be expanded upon. I've, I've got a couple of really cool uh, voices for that. And then just, you know, usual content, uh, Celtics, you know, trying to get, get on a winning track here and just, you know, be better, you know, be better. That's so, yeah. And that's what we're going to try to do next week is be better. Yes. So. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, share this episode with a friend who's from Philly or elsewhere. <laughs> And for Aishra Blakely, I'm Kwani A. Lunas. Thank you for listening to the A-List Podcast.